Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Patrons over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. They're bringing the show to you. Maybe you would like to be one of them. You get extra perks, cool stuff, including an entire bonus show we call Paid DLC. It's now become our midweek check in show because we record it in the middle of the week. That is exclusive to patrons. Also, the video on demand version of this show ad-free episodes, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out, DLC Pod on the Patreon, patreon.com slash DLC Pod. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canato. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who always claims me as a dependent on his taxes, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I'm also the guy who said I had all the windows ready to go for video and realized I missed one. So for you and me right now, you and I, I and me, I and me, I'm doing singles, just singles. Right now, it's just me. And then when you talk, I'll switch back and it'll just be you. Um, and I do it's claim great you audio as- content, Christian. I'm hyping the Patreon, mm, right. dude. Also right. exclusive content is um, Jeff crawling through my window that you can see. No, I'm just kidding. That's just because you said crawl through my window. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm going to throw this out. I have not said this to you uh, in confidence. I will say it just to everybody. Um, we should do a in-person something for episode 500. Yeah. What are we on? Mm. What is this today? What do we got? We got four... 39. 39. Oh, we got, that's a year of episodes, Christian. That's a year. Yeah. Why do you think I'm hyping it now? You got to get on that Patreon before. <laughs> we have 61 episodes and he's, okay. I'll, uh, I'll jot that down. <laughs> but yes, we should definitely blow the doors off for 500. Call me in a year. It's going right. to be awesome. <laughs> Hey, we got a big show for you. Uh, there's some interesting news to dig into. We got lots of really cool games to talk about. And ladies and gentlemen, a new console to discuss. Yeah, yeah. you heard me right. And we have an awesome guest to do all of that with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for decreasing the largest constant. Because we have the founder 
of Min Max. Also, former video producer of gaming, former Ben Hansen is back with us. Hey, Ben. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me back. It's an honor. I, I guess is, I, I looked, I, I dug through the history books and it looks like July 2019. So yeah. I was still at Game Informer last time I was on the show. It feels like a lifetime ago. Well, I think it was the before times. Yeah, uh, that's and right. So it does. It, it, we've all lived multiple lifetimes <laughs> since then. Uh, I certainly have aged. Um, but we we, we got to get you on more, more frequently. We love you and your content. Congratulations on the launch of Min Max. How is that going? Thank you. Oh, my God. It's been a wild ride. Um, yeah, it's been going great. So, yeah, started in October of 2019 after some layoffs at Game Informer. We said, hey, uh, everything doesn't need to fall apart just because, you know, or work for a larger corporation. And so we struck it on our own and it's been working out. We've been growing ever since. It's been going great. Like we added uh, Janet Garcia and Sarah Podzorski to the crew last year. And then we just added a bunch new contributors, a bunch of new contributors that jump in when needed. So we have experts on the podcast, on the MinMax Show podcast, whenever we need them. So people like Kelsey Lewin, we just added, who's the co-director of the Video Game History Foundation, one of the smartest people I know when it comes to games, uh, Jacob Geller, who's a great YouTube, YouTube essayist, uh, Ana Diaz over there from Polygon, Joe Juba, formerly of Game Informer. So we have a big crew now, but it's a it's a lean machine, and it's working out really well. So it's been fun. Fantastic. You're like, you're like the Justice League. Uh, you know, it's like people from everywhere. You get together in the Hall of Justice, just an awesome crew of talent, but also I'll read some of your solo books from time to time. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's like if Flash was the only full-time person with the Justice League, I guess that would be me, and then we bring people in when we need them here and there, and it works out, because how much content can you really consume from the Justice League or from MinMax? So, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're glad you brought your speed force to this show today. <laughs> we're, we're excited. Uh, <laughs> let's jump in and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, your own reviews. We love hearing from you over there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But also, we love our communities. We've got a couple of great places where people congregate talk about the show, talk about video games, and all sorts of other stuff. One of them is the subreddit over at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. And the other is the Discord, which is also 5x5dlc on Reddit. Check those places on, out. On, really on cool Discord. The, the Discord one oh, is I said on Reddit Discord. Again. Yeah, it's, I said yeah. Reddit again. I meant Discord. They, they knew what I was talking about. Great audio content, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you know what, though? I'm going to edit that out, and you'll never know. No, know. no, Jeff has to leave yours in and take mine right out of the show. <laughs> well, that's where uh, patrons get to see it all, because I don't edit the VOD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Ben, you are a guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, boy. Tough, tough batch here. Well, I don't know if this is the biggest headline, but I'm a sucker for a good tease. And the idea of Hello Games teasing a little bit more what their project is <laughs> after uh, this next one or after, the, I guess, the update for No Man's Sky that just came out, Outlaws. They're teasing what's coming next, and it is... It is quite the tease here, as always, right? So there's yeah. an article from IGN where they say that, hey, our next project is one of those projects that would seem impossible even with a thousand-person team. 
which I'm sure when that quote came out of Sean Murray's mouth, everybody at IGN's like, okay, well, that's the perfect headline. All right, done, <laughs> done and done. We Dig your it. own Thank grave you. again, Sean Murray. Yes, exactly. not learned anything from the launch of No Man's Sky. <laughs> you know, it's been a few years and the game has gotten much more successful since then. I mean, it launched very successfully, but, you know, I think you and I and Christian all remember the coals he was raked through oh my for the God. big promises and the and the and the huge you know uh, expectations that he fostered in every interview and i think over time no man's sky at least from my perspective has fulfilled those expectations but not at launch right yes exactly it's been a long road but now he has so much goodwill going for him and just imagine how much that team has learned since 2016 when no man's sky launched like i love the idea of them taking that tech applying it to something new. And I remember back at Game Informer talking to him about the potential of just, in a hypothetical sense, not saying this is the next game or anything, but just what if you took that tech and applied it just to one planet? Could we get, you know, some massive open world RPG with that type of procedural tech just happening on one planet? What can you create with just the know-how that they've accumulated? So I'm very excited and very interested to see what that's going to be. So this, from your perspective, yeah. this isn't a fool me once, fool me twice situation. You are more inclined to think they'll deliver on this kind of big talk. Well, the good news is if they don't, I know that they will um, feel the guilt themselves and then work on it for the next three decades just to make sure that they get it right. I mean, I think that's the lesson yeah. of No Man's Sky. If you stick with it, eventually you can dig yourself out of anywhere. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's definitely – there should be a, a big – a big flare sent up with this news story, but yes, everybody keep your expectations in check, but just knowing that they are iterating on that tech seems really exciting. Yeah. And of course, another thing that was noted in this article is that the game is quote, very early in development. So, you know, it's something we're not going to see probably for quite a while yet, but Christian, does this excite you in the same way it does Ben? Are you, are you uh, as you know, famously didn't leave your starting planet in no man's sky. Mm. So uh, are you hoping for something a little more concentrated? What does, what does a thousand person team? It would still be impossible mean to you, Christian Spicer, Uh, a bug free assassin's creed at launch zing. Um, I mean, I, I think this quote is actually well, one, yes, it's a salacious quote and easy to dig into. But I think it is, Sean, showing some awareness of what happened before. The quote is, it would seem impossible even with a thousand-person team. It's not, we are, the quote wasn't, we are going to make something even more incredible than No Man's Sky. It wasn't, yeah. we're going to deliver the most epic world RPG ever. It was, even if we had 10 times the resources, which we don't, this, what we're trying to do would still seem so far out there. And to me, that kind of does say temper expectations. We're swinging, swing, swing, swinging away. You know, we've left little glass, uh, glasses of water all around the house and we're swinging away. Spoilers <laughs> for very old movies. Um, and they're going to, they have these ambitions that even with a huge team would be ambitious. And so now with their current team, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to go for it. And this excites us and we're going to follow that. And I, I love that. Um, I, I think that's exciting. I think that's essentially what the Beyond Good and Evil 2 announcement was also. But here Sean Murray saying it, whereas at Ubisoft it was we were, you know, Jeff, you and I were like, that's a movie. There's no there's no game there, right? That's just a, what is this game? What are you you're a monkey? You go to all these planets? There's no game there. <laughs> and 
that also seems impossible with a thousand person team. You know? Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and Sean says that, you know, they have a small core group working on this new project, whatever it may be, and that it is not going to impact the updates to No Man's Sky, that those will still be happening, that this isn't the last update to No Man's Sky. Uh, although the most recent one, it, pretty impressive. It, it's amazing how much they have they have continued to service this game put out these huge updates for free. You know, they, they have, I don't think they've charged for a single one, have they? No, it's yeah. wild. And I remember, yeah, talking to Sean Murray back at GDC 2019, again, in the before times, um, but he was saying there that the average playtime for all players with No Man's Sky was 45 hours. Wow, that's amazing. Which was mind-boggling. And now, I mean, more people are jumping in and playing it every day, so probably that average is going down a bit, but there is still a hardcore passionate community for that game. It's incredible. Yeah, and I... I'm right there with you, Ben. I'm very much excited to see what they do next. Uh, I do think there is, uh, you, you, you can't help but notice how much they've learned in the process of putting out that game and revising that game and updating that game and, and creating community around that game. Uh, so I, I do think that their next step, whatever that is, their next big release is going to come from all of those learnings, which is a word I hate using, but I'm going to use it here. Um, and you know, and and I I think that uh, whenever we see that, I will certainly be very much, um, you know, uh, I, I I will give them the benefit of the doubt, and and I'm not going to leap to any kind of first impressions based on exactly what you said, which is this is a team that doesn't just throw th- something out there and let it live or die based on its first release. That is a, is a team that continues to update, continues to revise and the, and the product evolves. So I think that's really, I think that's the kind of thing that engenders a lot of confidence in a developer. Yeah. They and they did a, I was, I was say, they even did a full re-release of Joe danger on iOS because yes. a fan yeah. email where it's like, Hey, my kid loves this game. Uh, you know, it helps recenter them and it's not playable on, and they, it wasn't just like, Oh, we've updated it to work on iOS 15 or whatever. It was like, everything's better. Also, the original's there. Here it is. And it, they are committed to what they make, and that's awesome. And they're also using the money, presumably made by No Man's Sky, to help fund interesting smaller games like the last Campfire that came out. Was that yeah. a couple years ago now? So I, yeah. I, it seems like they're, they're, yeah, they're doing it all right over there now. Very cool. Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Uh, Hello Games was bought for the tech underwriting. No, I'm just kidding. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like there's a Silicon Valley Pied Piper there somewhere in there in their tech, right? If this thing proves to be uh, what what it seems to be, oh, yeah. um, in relation to that and investment and buying, we kind of talked about a little. We talked about this a little bit a couple of weeks ago, where I kind of talked around it, I guess, in another story. The idea of how the Lego X Epic partnership was announced, and there's this thing uh, they're going to be working on metaverse things together. And then this past week, more of that story came out where it is Lego's parent company and Sony. Oh, Lego's per- parent company is Kirkby. And Sony have both invested $1 billion, with a B. That's each. I guess each yeah, invested each. a billion. They've each invested $1 billion into Epic Games, which is one a mind-boggling amount of money. Well, it was uh, honestly 
just in Fortnite skins. They just <laughs> <laughs> okay. Then that's that's about the same that I've invested in yeah, uh, yeah. big games. So that that makes sense. But I think the 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 bigger part of the story for me is the Sony investment because it's not an acquisition. I'm curious what they're getting out of it, I guess. And we haven't seen right. that yet. Like Kirkby's investment makes a little bit more sense to me, but Ben, yeah, I'm curious what you make of Sony. Is it just a monetary investment or is it like, we hope to get first look at unreal tech? Like how does this leverage for them as a game platform? It's a great question. Is it just as simple as, Hey, people on the board, they like it when you put money towards a hypothetical metaverse. Where's the best place to put this? Okay, I guess Epic is the best bet for whatever a metaverse is. Therefore, let's throw it in there. And then everybody on the board says, huzzah, we did it. We're geniuses now. Um, but I am so confused by it. And especially it gets really bizarre thinking about Sony, you know, investing such a big way in Epic. while still like a majority of their studios are not using Unreal. Whereas Microsoft is investing in Epic in a different way, I guess, by like all their <laughs> primary studios using Unreal, right? You think of like Gears, Obsidian, In Exile, Double Fine, Ninja Theory, Undead, Labs, Rare. Everybody's all in on the tech of Epic there, whereas Sony's just all in on investing for the metaverse, but they'll stick with Decima and the pro- uh, proprietary engines for their studios. So I wonder if we're going to see bizarre. that change. I, I, you know, I, yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that when the Unreal Engine 5 big rollout happened that that big presentation where we saw that incredible uh, tech demo with the the girl and the rocky you know third person adventure kind of yeah. thing that was all tied to uh, PlayStation 5 and like shown on PlayStation 5 tech and th- they were already you know buddy buddy in in that moment and like it was very much Unreal Engine 5 and PlayStation 5 and like we're both fives and let's high five and uh, <laughs> five buddies um and and so I wonder if you're going to see more of the first party studios use the Unreal Engine because part of uh, Yoshida, uh, Sony CEO's uh, uh, statement was uh, we are also confident that Epic's expertise, uh, uh, including their powerful game engine, combined with Sony's technologies, will accelerate our various efforts, such as the development of new digital fan experiences in sports and virtual production initiatives. So this is like mm. not just video games. It's Sony. It's Sony. And and yeah. we already know that Unreal Engine 5 isn't just a video game engine. It's been being targeted at Hollywood in a big way. You know, Mandalorian, of course, is the poster child for using a game engine to prototype, you know, uh, digital production. And I think Unreal Engine 5 very much aimed in that direction. So. I think clearly Sony as a company larger than just the video games division and Unreal Engine larger than just video game development. But I wonder if you will see that integration flow down the chain and be, I mean, a billion is not a small number, it seems to me. Uh, So maybe that will show up more in first party titles. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I know Days Gone was Unreal. I don't know for Sony Ben's new IP if they've revealed what the engine is. I forget if it was in that big smorgasbord of different logos and stuff that Unreal <laughs> revealed for who was working in it. But yeah. And and we've already seen a number of uh, pr- uh, developers who have proprietary engines, CD Projekt Red. Who was the other one? Just last week, we were talking about it. Uh, uh, for Lego is another one, which... Also makes sense now, but yeah, um, Tomb Raider, Crystal Dynamics, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Who, who've been 
you know, have very powerful proprietary engines who are like, no, we're using Unreal Engine now. So I, I don't think that's out of the question to see, you know, some of these engines that we've become familiar with for Sony first-party games not be used anymore. Uh, I, th- I think this is this is a, 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 a very significant story. And I, I don't know, like you guys, I don't know exactly what it means, but I do think we're going to see the results of this over a long period of time. Well, and yeah. Sony had put in... Four hundred and fifty million into Epic, uh, and I think it's July twenty twenty. Um, oh, which who knows? Maybe, maybe, well, maybe in July twenty twenty, uh, half a bill was more value than a full yeah. bill. No, now, I don't even get but, out of bed for half a bill. <laughs> but it was valuation two years ago. But also to changing engines. I mean, Jeff, you and we had to change engines for eight years. We were an E three hype train. It's true, and no one gave us even close to half a bill. No, I, no, we just had to hitch our hype train engine into a new uh keely hype train engine now which <laughs> right. all, we're all about the summer of keely it's so true uh jeff uh, keely five the finest yet <laughs> <laughs> i do want to ask you ben about this you, you kind of touched on it um the first reasoning that was a part of this statement is about the metaverse yeah and uh where is my uh where's the quote here uh quote from yushida um as a creative entertainment company, we are thrilled to invest in Epic to deepen our relationship in the metaverse field, a space where creators <laughs> okay. and users share their time. I mean, vague, 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 right? But what <laughs> clearly, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm bullish on VR and excited about more VR. Uh, PlayStation VR 2, I think, is going to be a big, big factor in pushing VR tech forward. I think mm. Sony's certainly betting on that. What do you make of that? I mean, that term is so already annoying to everybody, even me who likes VR. The metaverse is super annoying already. But what right. do you make of name dropping that? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you bringing up VR now, I'm, I'm not that it's going to be PlayStation Home 2, but I bet they are going to launch PSVR 2 with some sort of quote unquote metaverse like experience, maybe built in Unreal. And so maybe this is kind of just laying the groundwork for that. Hmm. could be uh, hey here's a really dumb question has um is the, all the metaverse talk and everybody's saying oh we're gonna get there we're gonna get there has anybody just been so bold since it's all nonsense anyway just to say like no we've already done it this is the metaverse like <laughs> has epic ever have they ever just said yeah the fortnite is the metaverse everybody we're done game over we were there first they could I, right it's all nonsense yeah you can define it as you wish so why not i think yeah right. i think that's a good point um but i think that there's some there's some vague sense that the metaverse is going to be this next place that we all inhabit that, you know, is uh, incorporates what- AR or VR, but also is sort of a, uh, you know, a, uh, a, I mean, I guess you could, you could argue that Fortnite is already that, right? This, this universal yeah. location where lots of different experiences branch off of it. So maybe, I mean, I, I don't think I- it's a bad idea. If you're a PR person, and you're just like, no, we did it already. <laughs> Old news. Yeah. I, have a, I have a billion dollar idea and i'm gonna say it here just between us friends Smart. um facebook rebranded themselves as meta right yeah right. jeff we ben don't you steal this from minmax don't you do it I'm not gonna write it down <laughs> jeff let's rebrand dlc i know we just got a new fancy logo yeah, but yeah let's yeah. rebrand dlc as verse Ooh, i like it so then if 
meta wants to be the metaverse, they kind of have to buy us. Like, you can't have the metaverse without the verse. I mean, to give up the... uh the brilliant uh, SEO friendly title DLC. <laughs> I don't know how we would uh, <laughs> ever recover from that. I'm telling uh, you, verse. Our, it's going to be called verse. We're going to be acquired within a week. Um, yeah. We get a bunch of poetry heads accidentally downloading the show. You never know. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep tabs on this uh, story, but two bill ain't, ain't, ain't small change. And yeah. uh, it's interesting to see Lego, you know, looking over there at uh, other blocks and going, we, we're we Lego. Come on. <laughs> we got to get yeah. it. We got to get it on this. Which is action. interesting. Yeah. If you think about Lego too, I mean, it wasn't too long ago they were looking at Minecraft and saying, "Hey, we got to get in on that action." Yeah. Remember Lego Worlds? Yeah, that yeah. existed for a while, and I think it's still running technically. But that feels like them kind of dabbling in that arena, and it's like, who knows if their metaverse play is going to be Lego Worlds too? I don't know. You know, just some evolution of that core concept because it feels like, oh, however we want to define metaverse now, it feels like Lego Worlds was already inching in that direction, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, the one person in Second Life, you know, still is like, hello. <laughs> exactly. I, I've been here for 30 years. I paid <laughs> real human money for all this stuff in here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just the knight from the last crusade, just hanging out in yeah. Second Life, waiting yeah. for someone to come back. I chose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, my story of the week. Uh, is one that I also think is going to have a big impact, uh, kind of subtly so. But for me, this is huge. And I hope it permeates many, many, many more services. But there is news this week from GI.biz that Nintendo and Sony have been forced, based on an investigation conducted by the Competition and Markets Authority, which, first time I'm hearing of this, You guys have heard of the Competition and Markets Authority? I have a t-shirt, yeah. yeah, The CMA? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big big CMA fan. (laughs) Um, Forced to change the way their subscription services work. And I think this is to the benefit of most humans, to the benefit of people who actually subscribe. And that is they can't just auto renew you on their subscription accounts and charge you without, you know, without you really paying attention, which let's be honest, has been a lot of places business model. You know, that's just the business model is let you sign up and then just forget we exist. You know, so we'll just keep charging you and you just, just don't pay attention. Absolutely. This was a, a forced change. So now, uh, Sony will have to send reminders to customers that haven't used the service in a while, telling them how to cancel their subscription. And if the user does not cancel and is still not actively using the subscription, Sony will stop taking payments. So you will you can cancel your service just by not using it at all for a long time, which, let's be honest, is how it should work, right? If I'm not, if I haven't used something in forever... It should just auto-cancel. That's beautiful. Nintendo uh, also will no longer offer automatic renewal as a default option for its uh, Nintendo Switch online service. And if you don't, uh, if you you wish to, you can choose auto-renewal, but uh, you need to do that after signing up. 
So you can choose your auto renewal option, but you have to opt in, which is the way it should work. This should be for everything, everything for all the, you know, cable streaming things that I sign up for one month because I want to watch that one show and then I forget that I'm signed up. It should be for sparklets, water, whatever. I don't care what it is. Like whatever you subscribe to, this is how it should work. Everything but Patreon. Everything yeah. else. <laughs> I know it is. Oh, it wait, is bizarre what, what to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, patrons, for forgetting about us and continuing to no, be No, I, I hope you don't forget about us. I hope you are actively listening yes. and, and consuming hashtag no, we, Yeah, we want you to value your yes. contribution to the show. We want you to you know, get value out and put value in. That's that's the, the agreement that we have. So thank you for that. Uh, but also, if you forget about it, I don't know. Well, I mean, mad. there are so many of these that there are literally companies yes. whose job it is to be like, hey, idiot, you subscribe to a bunch of stuff. What What are you? Let us help you. We'll tell you what to unsubscribe to. Pay us money so you don't pay all these other bozos money for things you aren't using. And people are like, I need that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like a, a friend of mine, I remember just like not too long ago. He's like, oh, yeah, I had this really embarrassing moment where I realized that I've somehow been paying 10 bucks a month for Microsoft Office for years and years and years. <laughs> like he needed it for something in school yeah. and then just completely forgot that he signed up for that. It's like, oh, no, that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars to yes. Microsoft Office. Completely irrelevant. Yeah, I, I think that happens so frequently. I was I found out a couple of years ago that I had two Dropbox accounts on two different email addresses <laughs> and I was only using one of them. And I was like, how long have I been paying for this second Dropbox account? Yeah. So my only question to you guys is why only Sony and Nintendo? Like, why isn't this universal? It's a great question. Well, what was the, in that story they mentioned Microsoft, right? Well, I guess Microsoft has already been doing it. It said the companies have followed in Microsoft's footsteps, which changed how information to Game Pass subscribers was presented to them. Uh, and it, that's that happened in January of this year that users can clearly see displayed information on membership pricing, refunds, and cancellation. So that's another thing that these companies do often is they obfuscate how you even cancel. Right. You know? Or you can only cancel by phone or like all that garbage where they're just making it as hard as possible. It's like trying to cancel a gym membership, you know? Not familiar with that concept, but I can imagine it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you've never canceled? You're just yoked over there? Just <laughs> That's right. That. I go too often. I can't imagine life without it. Uh, no, obviously, it should be a, a default. It, it's bizarre. It, it, is a, it is a huge deal. I mean, with everybody pushing so hard in the gaming space to get on the subscription bandwagon, this is a huge news story, even if it's not the sexiest, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it, it, it sounds uh, uninteresting, but I think it's going to have a huge impact on average people's lives. Yeah. And I hope that this permeates. I, I want I want it to be the way that that subscription anything is handled. Because there if I a, if I don't use okay. it for a long time, it should just automatically not charge me. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. I, I know it's true in California and I'm not sure other places. Uh, I don't know if it's federal or not here in the US, but similarly and kind of related to games in terms of buying like um, stored value cards. But in California, I forget that I think it was five dollars initially. It might be higher now. But if you have less than five dollars on like your Jamba Juice, Best Buy, Target gift card, they have to cash you out. Yeah. And companies fought that for a long time because there's I'm making up the number here, but like 
millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of captured money yeah. by these retailers on gift cards that only have like $2 left, $1.15, cents that people then don't think to use because it's like, oh, it's only 75 cents. So they don't carry it with them. They don't, you know, swipe that first and then use cash or their credit card. So in, in California, again, I forget the exact value around five bucks. You can bring it in to Target and be like, give me cash. And they legally have to, whereas before they'd be like, no, yeah. <laughs> have fun carrying your 20 little cards. And it's the same thing. It's just unrealized value ever here for the subscriptions, just lost value for things people aren't using. Um, yeah. Consumer protection, who would have thought important? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> from my perspective also, it seems like the big push that we saw over the last decade of switching from paying once for something to a subscription service. I mean, I, it's hard not to think that a lot of that is because of this. Totally. It's literally because people just forget to stop paying us. And, you know, it, it's it's more lucrative. Well, yeah. even if you don't forget, it also just eliminates the pain point of taking out your credit card, like yeah. or whatever it is, like the hassle of repaying. One of the things that saved me a lot of money over the years is that I refused to memorize my credit card number because it creates that one half step when I'm like, ooh, I do, ooh, is it, this is available on Best Buy, I'm going to buy it. No, I'm not going to go Christian get my wallet. hours <laughs> trying to get the credit card number out of his mind. No, <laughs> don't stay in there. No. I don't know it, bro. <laughs> just carefree, carefree, in one, out the other. Just tap ah. it in. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, it's good living. Cursed with a photographic <laughs> memory. Ah! <laughs> Curse you, brilliant mind. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's talk about some games and some game consoles. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Squarespace. Squarespace. Squarespace, of course, is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, the content you create, even your own time. I have been suggesting Squarespace to anybody that needs a website for many years, friends and family, anybody that's like, I you're the internet guy in the family. How, how do I do? I always go squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Just go there. Use the tools. It's so simple. But now Squarespace is a even better recommendation for folks that create things, that are building businesses, that are selling things. It's not just, yes, it's easy to make any website there, but they've got member areas now. That make it easy for creators to monetize their content and expertise in a way that fits with their brand. With the member area, you, you unlock new revenue streams for your business and you free up time in your schedule by selling access to gated content like videos, online courses, and newsletters. And you can build the videos in Squarespace. They have a pro-level video studio, the Squarespace Video Studio app helps you make and share engaging videos to tell your story, grow your audience, and drive sales. Plus, if you're driving sales, you need an online store. Sell your products in their online store. It's so simple to build an online store on your website, whether you sell physical or digital products. Squarespace has the tools that you need to start selling online. So many great features to make building a business, building a brand, 
selling anything with Squarespace, check it out. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Get yourself a free trial. And then when you're ready to launch, use our offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Even if you're just thinking about building a site and you want to secure the domain or find out if the domain of your business is available, I have used that front end at Squarespace so frequently to just find out what domains are available. It's so cool. It suggests other extensions, over 200 extensions. It's great. You can save yourself 10% by securing that domain using the promo code Jeff sent me at checkout. Thanks to Squarespace for supporting the show. We appreciate it. All right. If you are one of those listeners that downloads the show as soon as it comes online, you probably noticed we waited a little extra time this week to put the show up. That is because our friend Ben Hansen had an embargo for something I am extremely curious about. This is a new console that has a lot of hype around it. People have been waiting for a long, long time to get their hands on the Playdate. Ben, you have had your hands on it. I'm so curious what you think of this thing. Yeah, I am, I am curious what you think about what I think about this thing. <laughs> so the Playdate, it is the new little handheld from Panic, which was a company, it is a company out of Portland, and they published Firewatch. It was how they were first on my radar. I was like, oh, who are these Panic folks? And they've been working for years on just this project of, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we made a little handheld thing that was kind of an homage to the Game & Watch, like a black and white handheld device it is um, that's tiny just, ben is holding it up for video viewers it is much tinier than i actually thought it was going to be yeah yeah it's cute uh, the frame of reference that jenna Garcia had uh minmax which is right is uh it's like uh post-it notes think of it like a yes. pack of post-it notes that is yeah. what it is but you know it's a little oblong i guess it's, it's a funky shape because on the side of it they have a crank yeah which is really diabolical it seems like that's the thing that's got people on twitter excited because it's just so, so absurd to have this tiny little handheld and then there's a crank on the side i had some friends over this weekend and they were looking at it they're like okay so it's like crank powered no 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 not at all you're not going to go down to some cave and play games down there by <laughs> you know grinding the crank no it uh, turns out that the crank is incorporated into gameplay for these games and the interesting thing about how these games are delivered to you uh is that it is I guess they're designing it for like uh, water cooler moments, right? So it's rolling out with two games every week for 12 weeks. So it's like a season of games. And this is season one that's rolling out now for everybody if you buy this thing. Um, are, these, and, are these sort of like bite-sized games? Are they small little experiences? Yeah, well, uh, they're all over the place. I haven't finished any of them, if that tells you anything. Okay. Um, but yeah, some are like, okay, they're going for kind of a Link's Awakening feel here. Natural wow. on a handheld, that seems cool. Others are like, okay, it's a match three, I got it. Okay, this one's kind of like an Asteroids clone, except you're using the crank to steer, stuff like that. So they're all over the place. Um, yeah, when you, panic say, when you say you haven't finished any of them, I go, yeah. well, is it just because your hand got tired? <laughs> that could be yeah that's, that's why i don't go to the gym because i've been using the playdate cranks to such a ridiculous degree my one arm is swole uh yeah so i think panic sent a good job of like messaging messaging this on their official site they say they're talking about the games and they say will you love them all 
Probably not. <laughs> Will you have a great time trying them? Absolutely. And I think that's a good way to put it. I think it is a fun little experiment. You know, like this isn't going to revolutionize gaming. But if you're looking for just an avenue for quirky games to come out on a regular basis, and it's probably going to be, you know, an interesting little mini event, a little mini gaming holiday on Twitter when everybody's jumping out there to talk about or give their review of the new Playdate games, you know? And so I think it's fun. I, I've enjoyed my time with this thing so far. It's 180 bucks. Uh, right now they have attachments and all sorts of nonsense like that but it's like i'm just excited for somebody entering the gaming space and trying something new like it seems like this is this is the best part of the game industry is just celebrating something weird and new that no one's ever really tried before yeah yeah no i i don't want to you know yuck anybody's yum and i i certainly don't like being a negative nancy but so many of my friends got so thrilled by this thing and and Clamored for pre-orders and so got so excited. And I kept going like, are you in love with this thing? Ironically, is it, <laughs> am I missing something? Because honestly, if, if it works, like you said, where I could crank the power and play it at, at a, during a blackout yeah. or whatever, I honestly think that would make more sense to me than <laughs> the crank is the input device for some of these games i mean there's other input like it has buttons too right <laughs> yeah yeah it's got an a and a b button and yeah. then a d-pad um and a button up here where you can take screenshots and stuff like that yeah um i think i think the part that maybe you're missing is i think it's um you know how like everybody likes to seem cool and hip like i found the hip new little indie yeah. game that no one else is talking about imagine if instead of digging around on itch.io or anything imagine it's just delivered wirelessly to your handheld device and you can play it for five minutes and then get to weigh in on twitter so it seems like it's really tailor-made for some snobs in the gaming sphere on Twitter. And so maybe that's why there's so much hype being rammed down your throat for this thing. If you if you weren't talking about this thing on MinMax and yeah. kind of reviewing it, would you, sitting around with extra time on your hands, go, I'm going to reach for that Playdate device and, and put in some time? Mm, good question. I would have said, oh, I don't know. I like checking out the new games and playing with them for a bit. But there's this one freaking game on here. And just a full disclosure. Well, a couple full disclosures. First of all, um, Panic sent me one to review um, and it broke. Like it, the screen, I couldn't unlock it. It was a weird buggy thing. They said they hadn't heard anybody else say that. So we'll see what it's like when they ship out all of them. But just heads up that mine broke. Uh, but they were very nice and sent me another one, uh, which is very sweet. Um, and then they unlocked all of the games for the entire season on this thing. So I've been spoiled just swimming through these things over the weekend. Um and a lot of them are interesting. It's fun diving around and stuff. But then there's this one game. And look, this is not a revolution, everybody. But there's a game called Pick Pack Pup that is just a little match three. And it's designed by Nick Magnier and Arthur Hamir. Um, but I love digging into their history. And like one of them is just a designer at Ubisoft in Germany. And I love the idea of like somebody in the Ubisoft Borg system of thousands and thousands of developers just, hey, you just... Wanted to make a match three on the side for the play date, and it is uh, delightful. You play as a, a puppy dog, believe it or not, um, that got a uh, got a job basically at an Amazon warehouse. This is the lore backstory for Pick Pack Pup. But then it's just a match three where then uh, after, you, after you match a certain amount of things, then they turn into packages. Then you hit the packages. It shatters those. If you're a fan of Bejeweled, simple stuff like that, which I, I have a weak spot for that type of simplicity in my mind. Um I have just loved it. And so, yes, I would 
keep going back to play pick pack pup over and over again when maybe it doesn't make sense like my fiance is like what are you doing you could just play a match three on your phone I'm like yeah but it's it feels so cool and different on this and there's no microtransactions you're not going to be annoyed and also there's dozens and dozens of other games which are probably more interesting for other people all right i have one more question and then christian you can hop, hop in my, the biggest question that i have about this whole thing is yeah are there different and novel ways to use the crank or is it basically you're cranking and it just does different things in games? Um, yeah, I, there's some novel stuff, you know, like one of the first games that is unlocked is um, a little adventure game and you're going around and you're taking pictures of birds. Um, God birding. I forget what it's called exactly. Um, and you're using the crank there to like adjust the focus huh, for okay. the camera. So it's like, okay, that's an interesting idea. Or one of them's kind of like a, a 360 breakout where you're using the crank to spiral around. <laughs> um, one of them by Keita Takahashi, um, who made, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on one of the greatest games of all time, the greatest soundtracks of all time. You're rolling and you're collecting all the things and you're oh, going uh, the Katamari Damacy. Thank you, my God. Yes, remember his name, but not the famous game. Anyways, uh, but he had a game called Time Travel Adventures on this thing where I guess it's a platformer where you're choosing to speed up time and slow down time based on how mm. quickly you're cranking this as you're moving along. And so everybody's uh, thinking outside the box with this thing so far. And that's kind of the fun thing, especially with the season one where all these developers just on their own are trying to think of, yeah, how do we incorporate a crank into gameplay? We've never really had to deal with this. And maybe the wildest thing for season one, at least for everything I've played, not a single fishing game. That is shocking. That is yeah. shocking. Maybe they're just it's waiting on that. They're going to drop it like the the DJ building up anticipation. And just drop the bass. <laughs> um, it does look like a, a device that is not friendly to left-handed people. Oh, that's interesting. As, as speaking as one, I yeah, I hadn't that. considered that. I bet that is going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing is there's no backlight. That's a that's a big takeaway. The first two things I think you notice picking it up is like okay, no backlight, and then also, um, oh, what's the other thing? Um, oh yeah, the fact that it's like it's um, 3D. I expect it to be kind of like 8-bit or 16-bit style stuff, but there's a lot of like cool 3D animation in these games. Like it's got more processing power than you would think just looking at it once you know christian i recall and you can correct me if i'm wrong but i recall you being pretty excited about this thing when it was announced yeah i mean i was really excited about it when it was announced because it was also announced in uh what i like to refer to as the woodstock of handhelds you know like where handhelds came back and it was the summer of love yeah it was announced and the switch light and the play date and everything was coming back handhelds um, I did not pre-order a play date mostly because I'm curious about season two. Like I don't need to have it in terms of like, this is the thing I need to play right now. I have, Oh, analog pocket. That's what it was. Steam deck. Yep. Switch light analog pocket played. I think switch light had already come out, but like this, you know, resurgence of, of, of handhelds, um, which is awesome. And so for my use case, the analog pocket is that better device. I think it and the play date, if I remember correctly, pre-orders went up like the same week, I feel like. If not, I've collapsed that in my head. No, it seems um, right. And and I'm curious how they keep delivering. Like it's 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 cheap enough that if I saw it if I had my credit card number memorized <laughs> <laughs> and I saw it online somewhere, I could see in a moment of weakness, like buying it or if I'm in target and they have it, I'll be like, you know what? I have a hole in my heart that I need to fill with, uh, 
consumerism, I will buy this thing. But I don't know if it fills a gaming need for me other than curiosity um, of just like, will there be anything I like? And I don't know if that's a curiosity that I'm going for, right? Like the, I, I love the idea of being surprised about getting new things and that's well and good, but I don't know if I'd want to subscribe to HBO max. If when they announced it, they were like, maybe, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> how they did announce HBO max to be fair. No, they had all the HBO library. There's already stuff that I like and stuff that I needed to you, watch. People forget now because HBO max is essential and awesome. But when it launched, it was purple. No, it was HBO now. It was, and it was the same price as HBO now. It was, it was fine. There was also HBO now at that time. Anyway, I know. we're not going to well, relitigate was... the HBO Max launch. Yeah, but yes. Uh, permission to treat this co-host as hostile <laughs> granted. Is, uh, you asked permission eight years ago on that one, Christian. <laughs> well, but yeah, imagine, ongoing. imagine if HBO Max. So every time a new show popped up, it had like a gift wrap on it. Then you had to hit the button, and then little. The paper yeah. was ripped off. You get to see what new game's coming for you. And again, I'm not trying to say, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. You know exactly what this is. It cannot, you know exactly. Yeah. You have the right read on this. It is a quirky, <laughs> funky little thing. And it seems like that was what Panic was trying to make. So mission accomplished as far as I can tell. Yeah. And they got I, a lot of new hearts about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's great. I, hey, like I said, th- 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 as soon as I saw this thing, I was like, I don't think it's for me, but I do enjoy just as you said, Ben, the novel kind of, hey, what if? Why not? Right. Like, yes. let's do something just completely different, and uh, why not? And uh, I think that's cool. That's cool. And it, Everything doesn't it is, have to be for me, you know? It is how Nintendo Switch Online works, right? Like, for the three of us, I'm yeah. sure we see the press release beforehand, and it outlines all the games. But if you're not covering it or focused on it that way or reading internet sites or listening to podcasts about it, when you open up Nintendo Switch Online – the NES and SNES and I guess N64, if you have the expansion pass plus when there's a new game in there, Ben, it literally is. It's wrapped as a little present. You click on it and unwraps. It's like Mario golf. And it's like, yeah, awesome. You know, I I, I like that idea. I I think the, the delivery of the games is actually the coolest part of this whole thing. As I think if you're the kind of person that's into this device in all its quirk, then that's, that's right up your alley. It feels because nobody's going to be like, well, I'm going to check out the review of the next Playdate game and <laughs> exactly. see if it's for me. You know, like all of these are just weird kind of expressions of ideas. So why not have them be all surprises? You know, there's no, you know, you're going <laughs> to be like, I'm holding out for the, you know, the big AAA release on Playdate <laughs> or whatever, you know. I do feel like the, the AAA equivalent is Lucas Pope's next game from Papers, mm. Please, Turn of the Oprah Den. Like that yeah. game, I don't know. I, I know they're going to have a, an update and kind of a live stream detailing more things in Playdate's future. So maybe there is a release date now for people listening. But I feel like that's a big one on the horizon that I haven't played yet. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, well, amazing. Thank you for giving us the lowdown. Uh, Christian, are you more or are you more likely to want to get one of these? Or are you kind of okay not having one? Because I don't have my Steam Deck yet, I'm okay not having one, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I know I have that price tag coming up and that thing to tinker with. I think that my Steam Deck is going to give me a lot to tinker with because I think I'm going to try to open it up and, you know, sideload some other OS on there and, and yeah. play with that a lot. But I, I love it and I, I love how um, cute the Playdate is, right? Like, 
it has such a great aesthetic. And when I was prepping for the video, my daughter was in here and she was like, what's that? And I was like, oh, it's a new handout. She was like, it's cute. I want it. <laughs> like, and then she walked <laughs> out. And that was it. That was all You're in trouble, you man. Know, her interaction with it. <laughs> You're in trouble. That's just the beginning of cute. I want it. <laughs> uh, all right, Ben, what else is on your playlist? Oh, man, I've been playing a lot of uh, Chrono Cross, everybody. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? <laughs> yeah. Do you have the... experience with this old RPG? <laughs> yeah. Throwback, oh. the Radical Dreamers edition. I know. Uh, I have I'll raise my hand. Out, but but uh, tell me what you think experience. of it. I don't have experience with Chrono Cross. It's one of those big oh, gaping really? holes in my life that because there's only two and the box art seemed weird to me as a younger person. And I was inundated with enough other it, – it, it came out in a time when there was so many other incredible JRPGs for whatever reason. The Chrono series huh. is total, and I know, Ben, that you're doing like some deep diving into them. Literally, yeah. The Deepest Dive. It's a series we have over at MinMax where it's a game club thing where we have hundreds and hundreds of people in the MinMax community all play through together. And we all submit comments and then you know, take the best comments from everybody. So it's, it's a really fun way to like exhaustively go through these. That's yeah, cool. so I'm, cur- I'm yeah. super curious on your take and, and kind of experiencing them that way and also having had experienced them before. Yeah, yeah. So Chrono Trigger we played a couple of years ago, and I played it as a kid, of course. And Chrono Cross, um, I actually played before Trigger. Um, and I'm trying to think of the best way to talk about the connections between these two games. They're, they're pretty loosely connected. Here's, here's a terrible analogy. It's a little bit like... Um, maybe alien to prometheus that's chrono trigger to chrono cross you know where it's like there's something it's not required but it's gonna tie in lightly in a couple couple strains there um yeah you just so made I, one of them sound terrible though i know well definitely there are people that don't like chrono cross um i remember there's a lot of hype naturally chrono trigger is one of the greatest games of all time so when it came out there was so much hype and GameSpot gave it a 10 and so you know as a 12 year old kid when it came out i was like oh my god this is everything i'm so excited for this um and i really enjoyed it back in the day and i really hadn't played it since then so it had been yeah it's been 23 years that how math works yeah 23 years since i played this thing 22 uh whatever that math is um yeah so it's been wild to go back and revisit this game that i love so much with this remaster and there's a lot to love in here uh for the remaster specifically People are definitely pointing out, hey, frame rate kind of sucks. Um, Digital Foundry called it technically the worst running game on the PlayStation 5, um, which, is, which is rough. And the frame rate, especially in some combat scenarios, um, it can dip. It can dip down. But it really hasn't impacted my enjoyment and love of this game in a big way. Because along with the remaster, uh, they do the old staple of giving you a fast forward button which was technically technically in the original, but you had to beat the game as a, a new game plus type of thing. Um, and you can turn off the fights now for Chrono Cross. Although it is like there's those moments where you're going back to these beloved RPGs and realizing, oh yeah, for the remaster, like what is it saying about the original game design where it's like, now you can turn off basically the entire game and speed through it, but hey, <laughs> you know, it's great. Um, but yeah, it says I mean, that we're old, Ben. That's what I it guess says. that's yeah. what it says. You're old, but you have nostalgia, and you have a paycheck now. Buy this game, <laughs> right? Right. But it's still. I mean, the core game I think holds up really well. I forget how smooth of an experience it is in a lot of ways. You know, there's basic quality of life stuff, which is really wild for a game that's kind of a spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. They could have taken so much of the Chrono Trigger formula, but with Chrono Cross, they shook it up, changed up the combat, changed up the world, changed up so many things. And so just basic things like, oh, it's an RPG, but there's no MP. And you're healed after every fight. 
just like these basic things are so wild, but it's so refreshing to play something so different. And it feels like the creators with Chrono Cross, just like the playdate, they're taking a swing, like they were going for something new. They weren't playing it safe. And it's lovely. And one of the bizarre things is playing it now, it's, um, I don't know if you all have this experience, but just all media just seems sadder as you get older. And so playing through it now, there are so many characters that are just talking about the choices they made in life and whether or not they took the right path. Mm. Oh, they've wasted their life. It feels like a game written by somebody going through a midlife crisis. Um, and it's all about parallel worlds. And so it's a lot about like, oh, I wonder if there's an another me out there experiencing a better life. It's basically um, everything, everywhere, all the time. You know, it's all uh, at once. Yeah, 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 all at once. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. So if you love that movie, you got to check out Chrono Cross. Uh, and if um, you have seen that movie, chances are you love that movie. It's incredible. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So we're going through it with the deepest dive, and uh, Rebecca Valentine from IGN is is joining us for that adventure, and she had the the good take of just um, playing it now, later in your life, when you've had to make more big decisions and choices in your life. A game all about the the path not taken hits you emotionally a lot harder. Um, so it's, it's still working in a big way. I really love my time with it so far. That's great. So you, do you think it, it transcends being just a nostalgia piece? And do you think it, for, for gamers that have never experienced it before, it would be worthwhile to spend the time with it? Yeah. A majority of the people playing through, uh, through the game with us in the Minmax community are playing through it for the first time and they're really enjoying it specifically, uh, the soundtrack. Um, I don't know if yeah. you've all heard legend of the soundtrack to Chrono sure. Cross, but it is ridiculous. I mean, before this, it was always slam dunk in my mind for, oh, I think that's the greatest game soundtrack of all time. And now playing it again, I, I, I think it has to be number one. Can you all think, do you have a favorite soundtrack of all time from a game? Something that jumps up? Donkey Kong Country is always Ooh, at the top yeah. of my, my list. Probably two and then Tropical Freeze when I'm weak, but I feel like that's too new. But I love those Donkey Kong Country soundtracks. <laughs> too new. You can't give into something new. Not that new. Yeah, come on. I got to <laughs> gotta wait a little. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm no, I've never been the, the soundtrack guy, but, you know, Halo is iconic. and Yeah. Feels, you know, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Smash Brothers Ultimate, if you want to make that case, yeah. that's like a weird compilation thing, but it's tough to argue with that, I guess, if you're going mean, to factor totally it in. Pro Skater, right? Like, I mean, just license <laughs> right. tracks. Well, I mean, like, GTA right. 3. Yes. You know, I mean, or Vice <laughs> City even better, I guess, but yeah. Totally. Uh, yeah. But I guess that's um, kind of a cheat, you know, it's like pop songs, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the big thing definitely from Chrono Cross is the soundtrack and the characters, um, because they pack so many characters in this game, it's absurd. You have 45 characters to recruit. So at a certain point, it just feels like Pokemon where all these weirdos that you're getting along the way, you know, and it's interesting because you can't get them all in one playthrough. So it's a lot of, especially when recovering it with the deepest dive at Midmax, like it's a lot of comparing of like, oh, I missed Razzie. How am I supposed to get Razzie? You didn't get Skelly. They're the best. What about Sprig? And just like, it becomes a fun conversation piece about like how people just miss this person. If they just would have taken a right in that dungeon, they could have had a whole new character in their team. So it's been a blast. Chrono Cross back, man. Uh, that's really, back. really cool. I love it. And, and what a cool way to experience it with a, a bunch of other folks at the same time. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah. it's Chrono, Chrono Cross, the Radical Dreamers edition. Uh, Christian Spicer, what has been on your playlist this week? Well, thankfully, it has been a little bit of a continued, dare I say, lull. I hate to say a lull because there are still more hours in my backlog than there is time left in the year, I think. Um, 
But as I continue to obsess over Kirby, it, it really does challenge for my, I mean, what are we, April 17th as we're recording this, um, favorite game of the year. And I think we'll stand that test of time to vie for somewhere on my list come into the year. Who knows, depending on everything else. And what we're I have to start about, doing like games of the half year, you know? Totally. Or this year, games of the February through April. <laughs> <Just bizarre. laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the thing I haven't talked about on this show, and the reason I wanted to bring it up again, are the treasure roads. We've talked about Big Mouth. I've talked about the level design. And what I, I think are so exquisite about the general levels in the game, it's not difficulty. I mean, it's almost what Ben was saying about Chrono Cross, where there are just uh, completion things to do in the level, I'm using air quotes, that you probably won't do on your first time through. Not because it's hard, not because you're taking down a a ring in a From game, a ring, a boss in a From Software game, but you just weren't exploring the level in that way. And then you see it and how to use a power in Kirby in those mainline levels. And it's this beautiful little fun aha moment that gets you to play through that level again. Nintendo does it all the time in, in almost all of their games. The Treasure Road um levels in kirby are these little rifts that appear on the overworld in between and around the landscape otherwise uh in that overworld where you'd kind of go from main level to main level to main level and they're super uh they're time trials where it gives you a certain power that you have to use for it so it's like okay here you're going to be doing sword or here you need to have the meta knight sword unlocked which then encourages playthrough of getting enough waddle d's and stars and other levels to be able to then go to the shop back in your village to be able to unlock the sword ability to get the blueprint to upgrade so there's fun stuff like that that incentivizes exploring through the main levels as well but then these treasure road levels are little time trial levels it almost akin to um oh gosh what was it in mario sunshine the blue coin levels totally not quite as devilishly difficult as some of those blue coin levels were in Sunshine. I think some of those were very hard. But the beauty, again, of Kirby and the Forgotten Land in these treasure road levels, which for some reason I can't say quickly, um, is completing them is almost always fairly easy, right? It's like, oh, you use the bomb ability, you need to bomb these people to then clear out these people to do this, but it's satisfying, but something that you can do. And I'm technically playing on the harder, again, air quote, difficulty. Um, even then, it's not a challenge per se in terms of the combat. But it's like just enough of a pause, maybe an early or mid Captain Toad treasure tracker style level where you have to like think for just a second, like, oh, I blow these up. That advances me here and unlocks the switch. Cool. But what makes them, and for this last week for me, addictive is at the end, it tells you your time. And then it tells you the goal time. And what do you get when you complete it at the goal timer faster? Not really anything. A couple more, a couple more common stars or whatever they're called. If you complete it, you get your special star and you use those to unlock power-ups. If you complete it at the goal time, you get a few more, I forget what they are, the regular currency uh, kind of in the game. And that's it. And a good job, a good attaboy. Mm-hmm. But my gosh, how they've built these worlds, at least the way to my skill level, I am always, Jeff and Ben, so close mm. to that goal time <laughs> on completion. Like never, very rarely there my first time through. And I'm like, oh, I can, I, I can do that. 
I can do that better. Yeah, I, I can definitely do that under under 30 seconds. There's no, I, I know where I messed up. I know where, and it's like tapping into my, uh, like talk about Gran Turismo for a teensy bit after this, but it's tapping into that mentality of like one more run. But since it's not just a racing game, it's this slight little puzzle world progression. Um, ben, have you spent time with Kirby? Yeah, I uh, I played the demo and I said, eh, you know what? I've enjoyed a couple of Kirby games in the past, but I think I get the idea. And then uh, on the MinMech Show podcast, uh, Sarah and Janet were like, no, no, really, you should go back to it. And I was like, okay. Uh, then it completely derailed me from Elden Ring and I beat it. Like, <laughs> I, I really, really love Kirby. It really snuck up on me. Um, and dare I say it, look, I'm not some baby gamer or nothing. It kind of gets hard by the end. <laughs> like, the final boss was genuinely frustrating in a way that I did not see coming at all. <laughs> yeah, the main level levels can become difficult especially on that again air quote harder difficulty right your kind of life matters um but it is it's, it's a phenomenal game i think in terms of its creativity and i didn't want this show to go by without with failing to mention the treasure road because i yeah. do think that has been some of my favorite part of nintendo games are those blue coin levels those special star levels and mario games and this that and the other and i love how they're incorporated in kirby by forcing you into a power-up and then also incentivizing you to go out and play the other levels in order to unlock that other treasure road level by with the upgraded version of the power up. It's just such a simple, fun gameplay loop that when I load up Kirby, I always end up spending longer in it than I think I would because I keep going back to those uh, levels. Oh my gosh, if you want to feel good about your time on any of them, just jump on old youtube.com. It's like six seconds clear of every treasure, <laughs> and you're just like, "Oh, I suck at gaming." <laughs> yeah, no, uh, never, never look on YouTube to compare yourself no. to anybody. Bad idea. No, what a, what a dumb not. idea. Uh, yeah, yeah that's great. A, the the end of that game too, without without spoilers or anything. Um, it it really gets bonkers. Like it, I'm playing it by myself. I had to really laugh out loud just for where that game goes. It's delightful. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to pick this game up. Huh? It's fun, man. It's just good, simple fun. Sometimes it's nice to play a game where you're never confused. You know exactly yeah. what to do and where to go. You know, I really want to yeah. play. There's just so much stuff right now. Yeah, Crazy. and I, I think Ben, kind of what you alluded to, and I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think maybe one of the worst demos because the demo totally. is just kind of the first level, which is so simplistic. It's like, oh. Sure, this is a kitty game by Nintendo, and you do this over and over and over again. And the game really builds on that first level in really fun, beautiful ways. And I think that demo is unfortunate in that regard. Yeah, for sure. Anything um, else, Christian? Quickly, I want to mention uh, Gran Turismo 7 again, mostly because the Digital Foundry put out an excellent retrospective um, here this past week about the PlayStation 1 era gran turismos it's like 45 minutes for this first one and it's incredible and everybody should go watch it um and watching that got me really excited about gran turismo 7 and one of the things they talk about in that retrospective is just how the game if you go back to gran turismo 1 or 2 now they're actually pretty dang arcadey in terms of like their physics and their approach but when they came out they were like heralded as the great sim racer yeah and, then my analysis of that, I think it's fascinating to see how Gran Turismo 7 has pushed a little more, or Gran Turismo over the years has pushed a little more into sim, still not being a hardcore PC sim racer, but more into sim, but also how arcade games 
have really tapped into the sim stuff that old Gran Turismo was doing. And it's like before it's like, oh. oh, you can tweak this or that or whatever. And you can upgrade your car and you can do all this stuff. And it's so incredible. And then you had like need for speed where you're, you know, whatever you're blowing stuff up, jumping through a helicopter, doing donuts on the moon, but you can also tune your dampeners, <laughs> you know? And it's been really interesting to see how, I guess how every game's become an RPG is the third person action game equivalency of this and how every racing game has become a little bit of a, of a sim. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Grand Turismo 7 is excellent. That's very cool. Um, I put 10 more hours into uh, Horizon Forbidden West this week uh, as I'm moving toward uh, finishing that game. I will talk more about it when I do, but I want to do everything in that game. I absolutely adore that game. I love it. It, it, it. I don't, there's not a game world I am more interested in than the world of Horizon. I think it is so interesting, so well thought out. It has so many nooks and crannies that I find fascinating. All of the expression of the story, it, I think, is top notch from the writing to the voice acting to the way the camera positions. And it's so cinematic. I love the combat. I, I, I mean, I want to do everything in that game. So, like, I could be finished with it by now, but I'm not because I'm ticking off all the map icons. You, know? <laughs> you, you sound so defeated with your love. It's a tone I can't wrap my mind around. Well, man. the problem is that I feel like everybody has moved on from this game except yeah. me. And we, we, I mean, the, the pace of incredible must-play games is so fast these last few months that I feel like, oh, it's shameful that I haven't finished this game yet and moved on to the next. Elden Pick Ring. Pack and- Pop is sitting right there for you, Jack. Pop! <laughs> I'm, I'm going to crank it! Um, the, uh, so, yeah, so I guess that's the tone that I'm striking is like, yeah, I'm still working on that game. I just, I, 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 it's a joy for me to play that game. So I'm still playing it. Um, no, I, I don't think you're alone. I think definitely there's millions of fans of that series and that game in particular that I think are frustrated that, oh, Elden Ring is just absorbing all the conversations. Now all the talk about Horizon just feels like, oh, you know, Horizon, they tried. Oh, well, moving on. And so, yeah, yeah you go ahead and love it, man. Thank you. Uh, the other thing that uh, is is my crank, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I'm my addiction is uh, Vampire Survivors. I talked about it last yeah. week. I'm sorry, folks. The combination of Vampire Survivors and having a Steam Deck is has ruined me because <laughs> I uh, all I want to do is is get another round of Vampire Survivors in. Are you a Vampire Survivors guy, Ben? Have you? Yeah, that- actually, I just got a Steam Deck this weekend too. Uh, so I've been. I it was one of the first games I downloaded because everybody was saying it's just the best pairing. Um, it's one of those I, I tried a little while ago and was like, okay, I see what they're doing here. I don't know if I want to go down this rabbit hole, and now I'm. I'm starting to throw myself into the the black hole of Vampire Survivors. Do you got any uh, hot tips for me? I know you're a big garlic guy. Garlic, go garlic all, go all garlic. garlic all the time. Um, okay. I mean, I I have uh, I have tried a number of different builds. Um, I think friend of the show Danish Syed and I are going to have a conversation that we'll put up probably uh, either as a main show or paid show bonus stuff um, about it because he's he's way way deep in it too. The thing I haven't done, which I'm always reluctant to do is like go to YouTube or Reddit and find out like the people who min max and, and people who like, you know, theory craft and like, tell me that because I want to just, I sort of just want to feel it. You know, I want to feel it in the moment, like what I'm drawn to what I like and then see what works. 
And I know that there's probably a, a math equation that tells me which power ups <laughs> to take at any given time. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, 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 I love it. I play, I've been playing a lot of Poe. I think Poe is the name of the character that starts with garlic. Uh, and then, you know, like the combination, uh, just making me like this tank that can just walk into enemies is so fun with the, you can have the Bible that surrounds that rotates yeah. around you. And then you get the power ups that increase area of effect. So your, your little garlic stench gets wider and wider and wider out there. Ah, so very good. So very good. What? And I'm, I'm like hooked on the library level. Because I just think the library level lets you level up, especially with garlic, lets you level up f- way faster than any of the other levels. And so I can like try builds out. And I was I was going for like a armor build for a while. Where I'm just like, I, what if I just don't take any damage when I would run into people? And, uh, you know, uh, so, yeah. Oh. And I also love the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy that gives you an extra projectile of every type. So then like the goal is to just have as many different types of oh, that's projectiles awesome. at, at once, and everything is just like flying out of you, and at this mad pace. Anyway, I promised <laughs> I myself say, I wasn't going to talk about that game again. And here, no, I am. it's understandable. Um, I gotta say, like the first time you get one of those items that um, just on the map, that's just like a magnet for all the experience on the map, and just comes yeah. in. One of the best feeling moments in gaming this year. It is just uh, unbelievable then to watch your just bars just all the way up. It's so I, satisfying. I was on a plane this morning playing Vampire Survivor on my Steam Deck, and I had leveled up um, the the garlic to a certain point where there was a, a moment in the level where. I realized every it was sending such hordes of enemies, but none of them had HP that could get to me. So I stood <laughs> in one spot and just watched them all melt at the edge of my aura. And, yeah. and the mountain of blue dots that was just around me, it was so satisfying because then I, after a while I was like, I'm just going to wade into the experience. It was so <laughs> rad. It was so what, rad. What constitutes a good run versus a bad run? Getting farther. As, as, <laughs> but, but yeah, so like, is there a, you know, you keep going back to it. Yeah. And maybe I just need to play it. It's like, hey, just spend the $3. I clearly, if only I had my credit card number memorized. <laughs> 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 um, but like, you know, you sit down to play it, it, it I'm wondering if it's like Tetris. I'm trying to find the the analogy where it's like, oh, that was a really good run and I cleared the most lines I've ever cleared, but mm. I think I can do better or I want to play it again. Or is it, yeah. you know, like there's, a there's Splunky some... or something? Oh, what was the second game? Splunky, where it's like, oh, I see what I did wrong. And if I do this, I equip this gear in this Splunky. run. It, it definitely harkens back to an arcadey experience like Pac-Man or mm. uh, Space Invaders or something. You know, it, it definitely feels like, how far can I go on one quarter? And in this case, one quarter is just pushing start. Um, but, you know, I mean, and you are weaving in and out of things as you might in a Pac-Man style game. It, it, it's it's pathfinding and trying to stay alive and not let the bad thing touch you, uh, except for when you want it to. And the progression that I went through early on in the game is going from, oh my gosh, I have to avoid things to, oh, there are certain enemies that provide opportunities that I don't want to avoid. And then it's, there's a bunch of trash and then you're trying to get to the enemy that drops the treasure chest that gives you the good stuff. Mm. Um, so then you're like trying to figure out ways to 
to, you know, you build your character because what happens is every time you level up, you're given three options unless you increase your luck and then you get more options, but you get three options to choose from. So those are randomized. So you can't always decide how you want to build your character. You're, you're kind of, you know, given a hand of cards and trying to make the best of it, weaving your way level by level. And that's really fun. That's really fun because you go, okay, well, the game has sort of forced me into a position that I didn't anticipate, but how do I maximize that, right? How do I, okay, okay, so I had to take a couple of skills that I wouldn't have particularly chosen. Well, now maybe I want to double down on those skills and see how powerful I can get them. Because if you level up the same skills over and over, eventually they evolve and they Mm -hmm. get really powerful and cool. And then you go, okay, well, in order to defeat certain types of enemies, I want to definitely have projectiles that I can aim because most of the stuff in the game you can't aim. It just goes wherever it goes. And so you find yourself like having this dance with the enemies that you want to kill where you're getting close to them and running away and getting close and, and timing the abilities that are proccing. So there's tons of skill in it, tons of skill uh, akin to something like a Tetris. Um, but it is also immediate and fun. And, 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 and the randomization of it is really, I think, the hook of going... I never, you know, we, you and I, when it was, had first come out, Christian, we would talk a lot about dead cells and there were times in dead cells where you're just like, this run is, there's no point in me continuing because I just didn't <laughs> get lucky enough to get the, yes. the things that I wanted. So why even keep going? I've never felt that in Vampire Survivor. Maybe because, you know, the runs are much shorter than mm. other games. So the, in, in that sense, you're like, there's not a lot of sunk time, you know, but also I, there's always, even when I, like the first three or four levels, I'm getting stuff that I'm not super excited about. There's always this feeling of exploration going, okay, well, how can I make this build cool? Like, what can I, how do I, what do I do next to accentuate the positives? And I find that really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, ben, quick question. Yes, sir. The game came out in early access in December 2021. Ooh, yeah. Is this is this a game of the year contender? I think you should probably talk about it. If you're passionate about it this year, put it in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, for me, I still need to experience the true majesty of it. I, I'm an admirer right now, but I'm ready to fall in love. Um, but I think, I think it's going to be in the discussion. You know? Jeff, I mean, is this, is this a, a favy? Is this a, in there? 100%. I mean, so 100%. You're, 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 your year is broadened. Are you adapting the, if I play it, you know, we can, yeah, I mean, we can bring I, it in? I, I, early access? I mean, are we, are we judging is, release date? Early it's not access out yet. Release? Huh? That's all it is, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, what about, okay, so what if I fall in love with Rogue Legacy 2, which comes out in like two weeks, but I wow. had it in early access, what, two years ago? <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, Vampire Spires, I think is still only early. What I'm trying to yeah, say is. I see, I hear you the arbitrary lines of years and times and whatever is hard with game of the year stuff. Um, Jeff, what we should start doing is uh, instead of doing like favorite of the year, we should just call it like the third annual favies, right? Like the Oscars. Mm. Like what year is the Oscars? It's the 83rd 
academy, whatever, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's no, tough. Christian just wants people... to completely destroy any searchability that people discoverability <laughs> of our show. You, should, you know, the thing that people get excited about reading about at the end of the year. Yeah. Let's not reference that at all anymore. <laughs> just no. for the sake of vampire survivors. No, 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 no. People are going to come to the verse to hear about the Fabian. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Welcome to the verse. All right. Well, I told myself I wasn't going to talk about any of that stuff because the thing I really wanted to talk about is some VR. We don't have to talk about a ton of things, but a very big VR game came out recently. And I went through all the trouble of replugging in my PSVR to talk about it. Wow. <laughs> Hero. Yeah, yes. Yes. Not all heroes wear capes. Sometimes we wear outdated headsets. <laughs> you also you also sent an email. Don't pretend all you did was was plug in a headset. Like you put some effort into this, you know? Yes. No. Moss <laughs> I, so Polyarch's Moss book one. I you and I both, Christian, still recommend when anybody says, Hey, I just got a quest or I just got into VR, I just got a VR headset. What are the must play games? Invariably, Moss one of the top five games we we recommend and for good reason it is phenomenal such a wonderful experience but it was always envisioned as a, an episodic game a, a very short experience i think i remember playing the first moss in one sitting uh mm-hmm. which is a great way to play it i i would attest um but it's very very short uh, and ends kind of on a cliffhanger. It, it, it was in, intended to be an episodic type experience. So it has been a little bit uh, long wait, at least from my perspective, for book two. But book two has arrived. Unfortunately, as of now, it is only available on PlayStation VR. Uh, Polyarch has said they are feverishly working on uh, bringing it to other VR headsets, which makes me excited because I want to play it on Steam and I want to, you know, I think it would be great on Quest. But I have to say, as somebody whose PlayStation VR has been in a box for quite a while, uh, I am reminded at how perfect an experience Moss is on that platform. Hmm. Because it is a game that you play with a controller. You're not having to waste your time with the stupid move controllers for hand tracking. You know, which were never, it was never a good idea. It was always retrofitted and unfortunate. Um, but the game doesn't even worry about that. I think, you know, Astrobot and totally. Moss, these are great PlayStation VR games because you're sitting, you're holding a controller, you're still in the VR space. And I think the actually the optics of the headset are not state of the art by any stretch now, but they still kind of hold up. I, I was struck by how beautiful Moss Book 2 looks in the original PlayStation VR, which I am playing not on my PlayStation 5 because I never bothered to get the stupid dongle you need to, to do that. It's hard to get. People that want it don't have it. Like yeah. You can't, they send it to you. It's not an easy thing to come by. It's yeah. frustrating. It's very frustrating. But I, I, you know, plugged my old PlayStation 4 Pro back in to, to do this. Uh, and um, the game is gorgeous gorgeous in vr i i mean beautiful i mean the kind of thing that sells people on 
the technology. If you if you have a friend who's skeptical about VR and you have a PlayStation VR, get Moss Book Two, play a couple of levels, and you'll be like, oh, I mean, the first level it's it's stunning. It looks that much better than Book One. I think it's a big leap. I think I mean Book One is beautiful too. I think they put way more care and time into little details, into making these lush environments and much more variety in them than in, in the first in the first installment. Um, again, if you're not familiar with this game, static camera. So your head is, is kind of the camera, but you're, you're in one spot. You're kind of looking at this little diorama world and you can peek around inside it, but you move a character through it from one perspective and then you move to a new area and then you're in a new perspective and you, you sit there, which works really, really great because you'll never get nausea from that, from VR. If, if you're even slightly sensitive to it, you never experience that because you're just looking around. You, you feel like you're, you're looking inside this box of a thing. And it's, I mean, you look up and there's these huge cathedrals and you're in these lush vegetation and you you know i I can't tell you the number of times in playing this game i stood up and leaned in and looked around things and almost always when you do that you're rewarded because there's some little fun piece of geometry or 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 cool feature that is hidden behind a thing from your original perspective that you'll see by literally leaning your head it's just it's a joy it's a joy and it's so gorgeous i mean beautiful 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 game and on really old tech for for this you know medium yeah i I feel bad for it it feels like it's kind of there's these psvr releases that are trickling out i think of uh what song and the smoke that came out the survival game not too long ago as well and just seems like people aren't talking about it because playstation's kind of trying to be quiet to get ready for the big unveiling of psvr 2 when they finally start talking about games there so yeah it's a weird spot, but hopefully with PSVR 2, these games kind of get a second wind and they say, hey, Alan, and also these other great games will look great in PSVR 2 because it's really a shame. Yes. I, I mean, I, I can't wait to replay this game in a better headset, frankly. Um, yeah. Because I, I think it's going to look just that much better. But but that's not to take anything away from how it looks now. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think anybody who has PlayStation VR will think it, it it doesn't look... I mean, it looks better than most other PlayStation VR games. It, it's just... It's gorgeous. Uh, art direction, animation. I mean, if you remember, if you played the first game, Quill, the way she moves is so lovely. You give her little high fives and she's, oh, that's right. know, she's always reacting to you. So the, the premise of this game, or these games, is that you are the reader uh, in this book, uh, which is very much a fairy tale about this little mouse, you know, think Secret of Nim or something. And you can you directly control the mouse, but the mouse is also aware of you as this spirit of the reader. And you are a presence in that world. So if there's ever a reflection, you can see yourself in the reflection as this spirit. And you simultaneously control Quill, which is a little mouse with a sword and other weapons in this one, which is super cool. Um and also interact with the world. So you have to get Quill, you know, through the space. You move objects to let her jump on them, you know, this, this light platforming stuff. You change the environment, stretch things and grow things and stuff like that. And you also can occupy bad guys for her or distract them or do th- certain things to them in order to uh, allow her uh, advantage in combat. 
So it's like you're doing two things at once. You're actually controlling her uh, combat and then grabbing bad guys with your controller and moving them around. It's really novel and cool. And it's retained in the sequel, but there's lots more new stuff to do here as well. She gets new weapons. There's new kinds of puzzles. It's, it's, uh, it's a cool progression from book one. Uh, and I love it. I mean, I love it. I think it's this is so charming. It's so beautiful. It, it's a home run. And I just hope a lot of people get a chance to play it. I'm like I said, Polyarch is working on bringing it to uh, Quest and to Steam uh, so that other headsets, you know, you can play the game. And I, I just, I can't wait for more people to play it. Cause I, I just think it's so beautiful and so lovely and, and, and so charming. I mean, it's a charming, there's such clearly a labor of love here in the level of detail and the, the way the world works and the storytelling. And it's, it's great. My my gut is that the work being done to get it to other platforms is waiting for the exclusivity period to expire. I'd imagine. Um, yeah, we don't know that game, for sure, but it seems that way. The first game, you know, had that and it was ported across devices very well. It ran on everything. It looked great. So I have to imagine that that work had been done. But yeah, the quote isn't going to be, we are waiting for our one year on the Epic Game Store. You know, whatever. like we are yeah. so proud to launch on PlayStation VR for six months. After that, get it wherever you can. Right, right. But the expectation with this is that it will be everywhere, which I think is awesome. So I think we've talked about it before on the show, Jeff, that... You know, we're big fans of VR being a screen and the more just in general, the more places you can play all the things, the better. But VR especially because it is, you know, you don't have this is an LG OLED exclusive. Yeah. Play this game only on your Samsung uh, QLED TV. Right. And that's kind of what I know. There's also tech in VR, uh, you know, the headsets, but it, it's always a bummer when when games are locked behind a headset. Yes. Yes, 100%. And um, I'm hoping... That being said, though, I will reiterate that this is a great PlayStation VR game. I, mean, there, I know there are yeah. lots of people listening that got PlayStation VR and probably haven't used it in a while. This is a great reason to pull it out and get all those stupid cables and extra boxes <laughs> and stuff. I, I went through it. It's all sitting behind me. Uh, I went through all of it cursing the whole time like oh this is so annoying to do all this again and and then i sat down and went oh right this is the reason that playstation vr is a good experience is for games like this and i want more games like this i want more vr games where i don't have to play in first person perspective i don't need my hands tracked i think vr is a very very good third person action on a controller medium like that's, there needs to be more games like that because it's fantastic to just be immersed in the game world, have it be all around you, but you're still playing a video game in the way that you expect to play a video game. It's completely viable, I think. I'd love to see Insomniac do more of that again, like Edge yeah. of Nowhere and then yeah. Raw Fury or whatever, not Raw Fury, whatever uh, the animal. Feral, feral, feral rights. Yeah. Wow. Very impressive, you guys. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Stuff. Yeah, um, um, Edge of Nowhere, no one talks about, but was an I thought was an awesome experience on PSVR as well. Um, yeah, and I wonder with them being owned by Sony now, I wonder with the PSVR too, if they have that big debut. It's like, and by the way, here's three Insomniac games. That'd be incredible. I, I mean, that is my hope, and it was my prediction at the, end, at the beginning of the year that that's like we just haven't heard anything about it yet. But yeah, I, I'm hoping that that it. 
Insomniac shows up in a big way. They have the experience making VR games. And I think that the, the developers there like VR because they you know chose to work on it. So like yeah. it matters, Jeff. They already showed a first person Horizon VR game. Horizon's your favorite. <laughs> VR is your favorite. You're not going to play anything I else. Know, it I can't believe it. <laughs> that game better be good. I, I wanted the game to be good so bad. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I also want Spider Man. Come on. VR Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm going to puke so hard. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, Moss Book 2, uh, very, very, very good. Highly recommend it um let's i I know we're already sort of at time but we haven't done it in so long and ben's here with some actual games that he's played let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time right now right now I know I have neglected tabletop time. I know that there are some folks who don't care for the tabletop time on the show. Others who are passionate about it. Uh, I see you. I love you. And I also purchased my first uh, board game in like two years. COVID, it was just so depressing. Like I didn't play board games. I didn't, I just, but I feel like we're kind of getting back. I purchased a game. I'm so excited. Ben, you have been playing some tabletop. Yeah. What, What have you been playing? Well, I think my favorite game that I've been playing a lot recently is called Time Barons. Are you familiar with Time Barons? I've never played it, but I, I do know of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's funny you all mentioned Spelunky earlier because uh, Derek Yu from Spelunky fame, yes. he was the co-designer of Time Barons. Um, yeah. I found out about it because uh, another one of my favorite games in recent memory is called Dustbiters. Did you play Dustbiters, the two-player I, Mad no. Max style game? I have oh, not played that. Is, Oh my god! It is my favorite uh, two-player uh, tabletop game. So please check out Dustbiters, everybody. Dust oh, I don't know that um, one. Yeah, full disclosure: they uh, were sponsored on the podcast. We talked about them a lot, but they sipped it to me, and it was like, "Oh, this is genuinely amazing!" I'm so excited about Dustbiters. Anyways, but the designers of Dustbiters said that uh, Time Barons was a big inspiration for them, hmm. and I love um, RTS games, specifically the Age of Empires series. And so Time Barons, it feels like you're playing an rts um imagine like an rts game but if it was turn-based i don't know how you'd even begin to describe it um but no it's great because it's just it's two to four players competitive you can have teams but it just it gives that great vibe of just a silly free-for-all if you want it that way in an rts game where it's making moves you're taking cards you're building up your town you're choosing who to attack people are dying left and right there's secret alliances it is just a delight um and the reason that I connected to Age of Empires in a big way is, and the reason it's called Time Barons, is there are kind of four ages um, of warfare. And you can choose to level up and go through the ages and get better and better tech. So somebody could be just all in on, I'm going to stick with age one, just try and do as much as I can with these cards compared to somebody else. Like, okay, I'm going to gun it, find a, get to, find a way to get to stage four, then get a laser death ray. I'm going to be shooting your battering ram with my laser death ray. Um, it's great. Unfortunately, wow. uh, it is out of print. Um, but I found it on eBay for like 50 bucks and they let you just print the cards and stuff on their site. Uh, if you want to play it that way. Um, but yeah, time barons, it's really hmm. a delight. This was a second edition published by WizKids in November of 2017, which certainly could still be out of print now. Yeah. But, I think yeah. that one also is, but yeah, you can go to their official site and they, they give you everything you need. Just well for the cards, I guess you just need to get little pieces and stuff to, to round it out. But yeah, I, cool. I hope a new edition comes in at some point. Time barons. I, I love um, 
I love any kind of time travel stuff on on tabletop games. I have so many time travel board games because I've always I always love the way the designers try to figure out how to do that uh on you know with, with just cards and stuff. It's it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice and simple. I yeah. love it. All right, uh Christian, you uh, you played some tabletop recently, right? I've had I've had some ready, just ready for when we got to revisit tabletop time. Yeah. We have a few that we go back to. The one I want to start with, because we played it uh, a lot at that beach house, uh, whatever that was, a couple episodes ago, that our friends purchased, I think, kind of on a whim. It was like they were at a shop. Like, oh, this looks cute. We're going to be hanging out with people. I'm going to buy it. It is a game called Avocado Smash. Mm-hmm. It is a simple party game. It's from Ridley's Games, not, you know, a uh, uh, fancy uh, board game award winner that you will hear talked about, uh, you know, is winning some what what's the German? there thank you um but it's it's fun especially in that party element so uh case looks like a little avocado which is also really cute which isn't like a little avocado and the way the game essentially you have cards and they're all numbered and you put them down and when you put them down you kind of go around the circle and say there's four of us or three of us playing I put down my card, whatever it is, and I say one avocado. Then Jeff would put his down and say two avocado, Ben, three avocado. Except the mind freak that's going on is that you put down a card, it has a number on it. So I'll put down my card and it will say three, but I say one avocado. And then Jeff, two. And so when then someone's card matches the number they say, you have to all slap Mm. in the middle uh like that classic kind of slap last person in has to take all the cards so the goal is to get rid of all your cards and it keeps you keenly aware you know it's like showing someone the picture of the color red but they have to say blue and it's just that slight disconnect going on so you're like three avocado but i'm putting down a four and it's like that's not what i'm supposed to be okay good and you kind of keep going and then when you hit 15 you go back and then there are two like so you start back at one again. So you can get a pretty big stack if people are going. You just never happen to put down the number you're saying. And then there are two wild card cards, I guess. Uh, and one is called Smash, which is where the avocado smash comes in. And so you you put it down and it's you, you just have to go. You just Everybody has to get in there, right? Get their hands in there. It's a smash. And then the other one is guacamole, where you put that down. You have to say guacamole and not smash again sitting here talking very simple but when you're sitting around playing with a group of friends and it's going pretty quickly and you're all turning over cards like what smash don't smash and then you know you're yeah. actually slapping each other's hands but be kind it's a very <laughs> fun casual loose uh game with friends and if they're doing other adult things while playing it gets silly very quickly <laughs> love a good party game love a good party game and it, yeah, the avocado sillier smash. the better sometimes, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. If you smash on guacamole, you have to take all the cards. If you don't smash on smash, it's uh, – and then it got us to watching Turquoise Jeep's video, Smash It and Bang It, uh, which is also always great old Turquoise Jeep YouTube videos. Um, <laughs> but it's fun. It's, and it's simple enough that you know play with anyone, right? My kids love playing Avocado Smash. It's fun with a group of adults. It's yeah. uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. That, yeah. It's, it's fun kind of like – getting back to a place in the world where I'm playing party games again. You know, I had my family yeah. in town a few weeks ago and we played, I pulled out wits and wagers, which I hadn't played in so long. And it's like, Oh, 
I love wits and wagers. I love, I love party games. I love doing this. I love playing board games. And it just feels like there's this, this big black hole in the last, you know, two to three years where I couldn't do any of that. And I just glad to be back. And I want to do more of uh, more tabletop time. If it needs to be part of the paid DLC show, we can do that, whatever the folks want. But I, I, you know, I love talking board games and I just haven't been playing them almost in this kind of mourning you know, of, uh, I probably could have played some stuff with my wife, but it just felt like I can't play board games. I know. I just felt sad over the last well, your, while. Your kids are close to, I know, you know, like great kid board games, but they're yeah. also close now to where you all will have some real fun playing games that you actually love and not oh, yeah. just, Oh, I should, I mean, I could go on and on. My, my son pulled out, I don't know what drew him to it. Cause again, I have, walls of board games so <laughs> i don't know what drew him to this one in particular it might be his love of hot wheels but he pulled out formula d which mm. i think you've played with me christian uh which is a great great game racing game and he's like daddy can you teach me how to play this and i was like i've been waiting for you to say those words <laughs> <laughs> um and uh so yeah i mean we played some formula d and he was excited i mean he he lost interest he Formula D is really cool because it comes with these, um, this like gear box that you literally shift to gears and oh, it changes that's the awesome. die that you roll. It's super slick. I love that game. Um, but you have different dies and it, depending on what gear you're in, you go faster because you're rolling a different, literally a different die. Um, but, and it's got, you know, a physical gear box that's like a three dimensional thing and you move a gear and it's, it's cool. Um, and he got super enamored with that right away. And he loved the little cars and moving them around and building the, you know, has a variable uh, two-sided board that you can change the the racetrack. So he, he loved all of the tactile stuff about it. And then we were, we played for a little while and he was kind of doing it. And then he lost interest kind of fast. But um, I, so I, I'm really close, Christian, really, really close. <laughs> yeah. Another one, other one to mention quickly here as we're talking about it. Uh, and I'll save another one for another time when we do it. Uh, I, I love Uno. We've talked about Uno on this show. It was a great game on Xbox Live to show people your privates uh, with the webcam back in the day. Always, always a good time. More civilized era, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what we did on the internet. <laughs> um, but they keep making new Unos, and this isn't a particularly new one, I don't think, in the grand scheme of things. But there's like Uno All Wild, and the one that we've been playing a lot now is Uno Flip. It's great. It's such a great so Uno Flip. You have Uno classic uno on the front but then on the back is dark uno (laughs) dark uno is like everything is worse you know instead of like skip or pick up two it's like pick up 10 you know like every uh, the the stakes are raised for everything and so you you hit it by hitting a flip like instead of playing a wild or whatever card you hit you throw down a flip and then everybody has to flip their deck and it's fun to play with competitive adults also because you can see everybody's flipped cards. Oh, right. You're yeah. your card. Right. right. Cool. And when you play with some hyper-competitive board game people who think they're going to be able to keep track of everybody's flipped card, you can see people's eyes being like, <laughs> okay, well, she has that, and she has, and I have this. I'm going to flip this. <laughs> and it becomes this, you know, like uh, you, you mind uh, check yourself out of the out of the moment. But just the act of flipping and making it into like everything is air quote worse and then flipping it back to standard Uno simple change to mm. a forever classic game but that and uno what's the one where it shoots cards out at you that's my favorite uno go uno 
I don't know. It feels like a little thing, a little battery operated thing that when you have to draw a card, you push a button and sometimes it shoots cards at you and sometimes it doesn't. So it adds that little variability in how many cards oh, it shoots weird. out is different. So Love it. Uno paper huh. cuts? I don't know. No. Yeah. Uno um, lose an eye. Uh, yeah. That's why it's called Uno. But Uno flip. It's awesome. Not to be uh, overlooked when you're at Target. As we are recording this, it is uh, Easter Sunday. And I will have you know, Christian, that the Easter Bunny brought my kids Minecraft Uno. Ooh. Which we have not taken the plastic off of yet. But there was a lot of excitement about the Minecraft Uno. Uh, shockingly, because they have both never played Uno and never played Minecraft. So oh, one wonders why the excitement, but uh, there was excitement. What a Uno weird gateway for them to get into either path, you know? <laughs> yes. yes. It's so Uno, attack. Uno attack. Uno is attack. Is oh, that makes sense. Launches. Huh, All right. It's fantastic. Well, hopefully you'll hear us do more frequent tabletop times. And I know some of the audience cheering others pressing the 15 second skip on their <laughs> devices. Uh, we appreciate both of you. Um, but this brings us to the end of the show. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. But Ben Hansen, always yeah. so much fun hanging out with you. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Congratulations on the Patreon. I mean, we didn't really unpack everything you all are doing. You got thank the new you. logo, the Corey Schmitz. My God, that's creme de la creme, the fine yeah. surround. We, uh, we, we, it took us eight years, but we, we got the right person for the job. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah. tell folks about uh, MinMax and all the cool stuff and ways that they can check out your content. Yeah, the main thing, the flagship show is the MinMax show, and that's MinMax with two N's in honor of Jeff Kanata, of course. Hey, I like uh, it. So please check that out on your favorite podcast app. And then if you're a Chrono Cross fan, we need to stick together. There's really not that many of us. Please, we need you. Uh, you can check out youtube.com slash MinMax, again with two N's, uh, and the deepest dive is what that series is called. Um, the first discussion is up there now and we cover the first like six hours of the game or so, but we're covering the game all month. So it's not too late to jump in. Just watch them. You can unlock the podcast version on our Patreon if you want. You can submit questions and comments and we'll read it on the show. Um, so it's a big community game club. So check us out. Also, we have a show called Trivia Tower, which Christian was the co-host of uh, a couple months ago. Uh, it's our monthly trivia show uh, with great prizes. Win a code for Elden Ring, win an Asteroid 40 headset and all that stuff by just knowing a thing or two about video games. So that's coming up um, on April 28th. And we have Kit and Krista. Speaking of new Patreon people, uh, they're going to be joining us and it's going to be an all Nintendo trivia round. So get ready for Ooh, that. That should be fun. Yeah. So that's again on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash minmax with two ends. Awesome. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, I should say, when Ben says co-host, much like this show, Jeff, it is uh, one person doing all the heavy lifting and me just coasting by on their good looks and charm. Um, <laughs> Trivia Tower is an incredible show, and I am stupefied by how seamless you are able to pull it off, my friend. And also, your audience's knowledge astounds me every single time, where it's like, yeah. I'm going to show you one sixteenth of this one eighth of a, a Chrono Cross. Okay, well, we'll move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah, the spoiler is every answer is Chrono Cross. So jump in, everybody. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah, what games has Ben been playing? Chrono Cross. It's all Chrono Cross. Um, I am going to continue to mention things that I am working on here, but I will say probably only this time until I can mention it again. The thing I am working on, I can't talk about until probably the end of the year, but I'm very excited mm. about it. 
Um, so it's I won't do it top, again. Top five of the year list. He's been working on it. It is. So hard. It it is me wondering whether or not Vampire Survivor counts. As a <laughs> top five of the year. Um, I will say I bought a teleprompter, which is fun and exciting for something I will talk about. People have asked to do for me to put my newsletter into video form. Oh, cool. And I already write my newsletter very much as a conversation with people. So I was like, you know what? I have a hole in my heart that only consumerism can fill. I will buy a teleprompter and see how that goes. So I'm going to be tinkering with that. Um, maybe patrons look out for something video stuff. Jeff and I may be talking about other fun stuff. Um, and that newsletter, which will not change in its frequency or style, can be found at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. My most recent one was about open world games and side quests. And um, we've had a really fun conversation with folks talking, replying and talking back about the idea of an all side quest game. Like what's that open world game where there really is no main quest. It's just clear the map, you know, like make the world a better mm-hmm. place, be a person, which I think have been fascinating discussions. Um, it's just called for murder other- hobo. <laughs> okay. Well, makes it a lot less fun discussion. <laughs> um, and then Twitter at Spicer, S P I C E R. And this show, you can watch the video version of this show as a patron over at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Plus the bonus show, paid DLC, which uh, is, is exclusive to patrons. And if you want a ad free version of the show, you can get that too. So many options for you. Check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. Also, if you want to hear me talk about other stuff, you can hear me talk about movies and TV shows at the film cast, which is available where you get podcasts. I have a comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way. It's called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. I also do the fan controlled football, which had its opening weekend this last week. Weekend, which is why I was flying and went to went to Atlanta, Georgia. All the games were played in Atlanta. This incredible stadium called Pullman Yards, uh, and uh, Carol Owens is in the league. Johnny Manziel is in the league when he decides what? to show up, and uh, it is uh, it is a blast. I'm calling football games, which is uh, something I never thought I would do, and I am having so much fun working with an incredible crew of people and this amazing stadium. And uh, it's wild. It is a mashup of football and video games, which is why I'm involved. And it's like Madden in real life. The fans control the game and, and call the plays. Now, I should say, some NFTs are involved. So if that scares you, I understand. I understand. There's also a bunch of teams that have nothing to do with NFTs. So you can enjoy the, sh- the, the, the games if you want and not have to think about it. But I also know that NFTs very make people very angry. I've gotten lots of angry, angry emails from folks that I'm involved in it at all. But I like football. And this is a pretty cool company that does some really cool, interesting things. And it's uh, there's really decent folks at the top of it, which makes me uh, heartened as well. Uh, so check it out if you're so inclined. Twitch.tv slash FCF. I do a show on Friday nights and then I host or co-host uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the booth uh, real life football games with real humans. Elite athletes. Incredible. Uh, all right. Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. 
Ben, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. It's a very timely reference. Um, I just finished watching the Mary Tyler Moore show for the first time in my life. Went through all seven seasons uh, with my fiance. Finally finished it off. Hell of a show, everybody. (laughs) I feel like a lot of people maybe my age are like, I don't know, some old show. I guess I vaguely know who Mary Tyler Moore is, but I'm a big fan of James L. Brooks. If you're a fan of The Simpsons, he's a producer on that, you know. And so not too long ago, you know, I kind of dove into his history and really love broadcast news in a big way. And so I was just hungry for more James L. Brooks, which brought me to Mary Tyler Moore and flew through that show. It's got so much heart. It's so funny. And it's fun to see um, kind of, the kernels of the Simpsons in there in a way where it's a, Hey, it's a lovable group of losers and they're, uh, you know, on the broadcast team, but every other station's just kicking their butt at all times in the ratings, but they're doing their best and it, they stick together. And it is, it's a delight. Also just, you know, living in Minneapolis, it's very fun. So that's awesome. Kind of set in Minneapolis. So we got to go, we drove around and actually found the house that Mary Tyler Moore lived in. That's like for the exterior shots and stuff, which is turns out just a couple miles away from where we live. So it's, it's a super fun show to watch. What a cool thing. I thought it's on Hulu, right? Yeah. Yeah. Watch it on Hulu. You know, I may have mentioned this on the show way back, but um, right at the beginning of the pandemic, when everything was so dark and, and, and uh, just it bleak and we didn't know anything about this disease and it just felt like, you know, it was the darkest of darkest times. I started watching the old Dick Van Dyke show on Hulu. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just to like feel better, you know? Totally. Because it's such a a view of sort of wholesome kind of uh, a time in America that kind of never existed, but only existed on television. Uh, But Mary Tyler Moore, of course, is in that. And yeah, um, it it was a wonderful salve for me, you know? And I, I imagine Mary Tyler Moore, much more sophisticated a show, I think. But uh, certainly was was born of uh, the Dick Van Dyke show in a lot of ways, too. Yeah. I mean, I went back and watched a couple episodes of that as well, because I watched a little bit more as a kid just uh, here and there on TV land or whatever. But I mean, it's amazing that even the first episode of Dick Van Dyke, which don't be confused if you watch it on Hulu, it's technically the second episode is the first episode. It's a mess. But even going back to that episode, like laughed out loud multiple times, like the jokes held up a lot better than I thought for that show and for Mary Tyler Moore as well. That's so cool. Uh, what a cool thing to do. Uh, all right, Christian, what is your parting gift? I'll say for Disney Plus and WandaVision folks, they should go back because yeah. Dick Van Dyke worked on, like, that's a direct inspiration. Mean, I think people watching it go, oh, it's those old sitcoms. But, like, how much it's those old sitcoms that yeah. actually tapped into that knowledge of folks who made them to make WandaVision as special as it is. Um, yeah, and, and Mary Tyler Moore holds up. To, I mean, it is as intricate as any, maybe better than sitcoms today in, in so many ways it's fantastic for sure um my college roommate owned the originally the like vhs box set oh of, wow uh, when it first came out and then the dvd came out and the shelf got smaller thankfully <laughs> <laughs> um my parting gift i've mentioned them on the show a few times but when we check in again jeff for paid dlc i want to talk more about uh them in this experience but the full album the linda lindas their full album is out it actually came out april 8th and they are a um, punk rock band um that you might have seen go viral with their song um sexist racist boy that kind of took off they played at the uh, at an la library and it went viral naturally in a way that music rarely does it seems these days and after that they were signed by epitaph and they released a full-length um album the oldest person in the band, she's 17, and the youngest person is 11, who is the drummer. Oh, wow. 
and it is four girls that just absolutely shred. Like my daughters love them. Um, and uh, what I want to talk to you more about, Jeff, later is uh, we happened to run into uh, one of the members where we were just out and around running some errands. And uh, was it, it was such a cool experience. <laughs> it's actually Bella, which oh. is embarrassing. <laughs> um, it was such a cool experience, though. And my girls were uh, were blown away. So too- cool story. More to come. But hmm. listen to the album, The Linda Lindas. It's everywhere you want to listen to music. And it's fantastic. And we always dive a little deeper into our parting gifts in the paid DLC show, which you can get as a patron. Um, my parting gift, I think I mentioned it before, but I finally finished Severance, which is a uh, Apple TV Plus series that was directed uh, in large part by Ben Stiller, who has now become one of my favorite directors, shockingly, after wow. uh, Escape from Danamora, which is amazing. And this... Um, Severance is extraordinary. I think, you know, bear with me here, but I think it it feels like a mashup between Lost and Westworld, but done better than either of those shows, I think. Um, huh. Have you watched is, any, Ben? I haven't. No, I mean, I, I canceled my Apple subscription after i finished ted lasso i'm like well that's it there's nothing else i'll ever need on apple <laughs> and now i'm guess i'm gonna have to jump back in how uh, how self-contained is that first season am i gonna is it gonna tease me out for years and years of an apple subscription here yeah yeah okay. it, 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 i mean i, I don't want to spoil anything about the ending but it definitely is setting up for season two um okay. which i'm excited about because i loved season one but uh it is a very very strong season one in my opinion uh, christian did you finish it I have not finished it, but it, it is visually stunning. I think it has oh, a yeah. confidence in its look that few shows have um, in terms of its aesthetic, its style. Uh, listeners and folks in our Discord were trying to get me to watch it before I would set aside the time to. And they're like, you love Control. You will love this show. Yeah. And it very much has that the huh. oldest house you know, kind of vibe it's to it. And it's amazing. phenomenal. It's amazing. It's amazing. And the last episode, I think is the best episode of the series. I think the first episode is also very, very good, but uh, I love when a series ends on a high note or, you know, ends the season on a high note. And this, I think absolutely does. And uh, man, it is uh, knock me for a wallop. It is really cool. Sci-fi elements, really well explored, great acting. I mean, you said confident visually. I think it's confident on every level. Uh, Yes, Severance, highest possible recommendation. Wow, Ben, just sub- subscribe, Ben. Subscribe and forget about it. Yeah, what are you even doing? Okay, okay. yeah, this seems like a really good idea. I'm on board. <laughs> uh, all right, we got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail dot com. This comes to us from Jordan Clark, who says, "I was inspired by Jeff's recent comments on really enjoying YouTube channels." that are about an individual's passion. Astro Backyard is one of my favorite channels. It's a channel all about astrophotography where Trevor will show his whole process for taking deep space photography of space objects such as galaxies and star clusters, all from his backyard. He talks through the whole process and you can just really tell the passion he has for astrophotography. The photos he ends up with at the end, always amaze me. I'd recommend it to anyone, whether they have an interest in the hobby themselves or not. 
Thanks. Always love the show. Jordan. That sounds rad. That sounds yeah. rad. I have gotten so into that. That watch. Did I mention this already last week, Christian? That I've gotten so into that watch make uh, repair guy that somebody recommended. Yeah. <laughs> There's this dude that repairs watches and, and somebody, I, I forgive me for not remembering who it was, uh, listeners, but, um, one of you, uh, recommended this, this channel for watch repair and I have watched so much of it. <laughs> I find it so soothing. It's dude. It's amazing. So now I'm going to like be into astrophotography too, because I'm going to totally check this out from Jordan, <laughs> uh, watching the guy repair the watches the level of knowledge he has, and he's a complete amateur. He's not like a watch repairman by trade. He just loves it enough to have a YouTube channel about it. And he'll take apart a watch and just lay all the pieces out. And Ooh, there's like 100 tiny pieces that make no sense to anyone. And he's got no manual. There's no diagram that he's going by. He just takes them all apart and then puts them all back together. It's like, how do you do that? Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, if you'd like to have your parting gift on the show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send them. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Our new theme song was created by White Cube, which is uh, Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Uh, thanks to all of our patrons, but in particular, we need to thank our top tier hype train patrons. And I believe Christian is doing it this week. The shout outs. Well, I'll just let him explain it. Mm, my kids told me when I told them I was going to do this, they said, uh, well, you're doing shout outs, dad. Um, you have to shout them. And I tried to convince them that that's not actually how it works. A shout out just means like giving props or whatever, but um, my kids are young and uh Yeah. Okay, here we go. Andy Joyce! Anthony Goulas! Dan Flanagan! Sassan! Adam Denby! Scooby Diesel! Jonathan Talbert! Chris Zacharias! Will with one L Harris! Jonathan Putney! Mark Gallen! Malcolm! Malcolm!
Clifton Satterfield! Bill! 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 And also, thank you to my neighbors for putting up with me shouting. <laughs> thank you all so much. This show would not be possible without everybody's support. It means the world to us. All right. If you survived that, <laughs> we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>